This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So, if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. This episode's conversation is about the story, Sir Gwaine and the Green Knight. And I'm joined by our Novel Conversations readers, Katie Smith and Elizabeth Flood. Katie, Elizabeth, welcome. Thanks for having this conversation with me. Thank you, Frank. Thank you. Glad to have you both here. Before we get started, I want to give you a quick intro to Sir Gwaine and the Green Knight, written by an unknown author as a long alliterative poem in the mid to late 1300s. Sir Gwaine and the Green Knight is one of the many stories that have become part of the Arthurian legend. The story begins at Christmastide, celebrated on the Christian calendar from Christmas Eve until the Epiphany. After 11 days of tournaments and entertainments, King Arthur is celebrating the new year with his knights and ladies but he declares he will not begin dinner until he hears of an unusual adventure or some momentous marvel. Sir Gwaine and the Green Knight is that unusual adventure. Katie, we quickly get into that momentous marvel that Arthur's waiting for. Yes, just as the nobles begin eating and as Arthur is waiting for the story, in comes a giant green knight. Literally green. Not dressed in green. He is green. He is green. And he's dressed in green. And he's riding a green horse. (laughs) Yeah, he's dressed completely in green with beautiful embroidery, and he's got some gold accents. Um, The horse has gems in its tail. Very beautiful description of his whole outfit and the horse. But Katie, he's not wearing armor. He has no armor on. He has no helmet. He doesn't have his sword with him, but he is carrying an axe. A monstrously huge axe, I think the quote is. And that's not all. What's he What's he got in his other hand? Holly. Holly. Why holly, do you think? It's a Christmas symbol. It is. It's a Christmas good luck symbol, I think. And a symbol of hope. Of hope and, and perhaps peace. So in one hand, he's got a war-making machine and an axe. And in his other hand, he's got a symbol of Christian peace, the holly. Mm-hmm. And he asks for Arthur. He wants to talk to the king. Yes. And Arthur immediately welcomes him in and asks him if he is peaceful and... and tells him he's welcome. But the knight's not really here for the hospitality of Arthur's court, is he? No, he has a challenge. A challenge? He's here to fight? I thought we said he wasn't here to fight. No, he's not there to fight. He says he's there for a Christmas game. Well, not really a game. He offers to take a blow to deliver a blow. I think I used to play that in the fifth grade schoolyard. Oh, with axes. (laughs) Uh, well, no. Well, what is the exact challenge then? What is this game? He offers to take a blow now, and then in one year, he gets to deliver a blow with his axe. And Arthur immediately accepts the challenge. Well, as you might expect. But another one of the knights speaks up. Let me guess. The Sir Gwaine of our title? That's right. And he tells Arthur... 
I am the weakest, the most wanting in wisdom I know, and my life, if lost, would be least missed truly. Only through your being my uncle am I to be valued. No bounty but your blood in my body do I owe. Elizabeth, who is Gawain? Maybe he's the youngest and the weakest, but but who is he? So Sir Gawain is Arthur's nephew. He is the son of Arthur's half-sister, Anna, and the brother of Agravain. Elizabeth, before the game begins, the Green Knight wants to confirm the rules just one more time. Yes, Gawain repeats that he will take a blow in 12 months, that the, any weapon that the Green Knight wants to use is fine. And the Green Knight confirms, you must find me alone. Right. The Green Knight says, uh, you can take your blow now, and then in 12 months you come to my castle and I get to take a blow. Well, it's it's kind of funny because the Green Knight comes to them but then he expects them to just come to him without telling them where he lives. Yeah, he says, well, you take your hit first, and then I'll tell you where to find me. Right, Gwen wants to know his name and where to find him, but as Katie said, the Green Knight tells him, well, first take your shot. If I survive it, then I'll tell you how to find me. All right, so don't keep me in suspense. Someone tell me what happens. Well, Sir Gawain comes up. He strikes him with the axe. Cuts his head off. Everybody cheers. And... And that's the end of the Green Knight. (laughs) (laughs) Not quite. Oh, end of story. See you guys all next week. The Green Knight picks up his head, gets on his horse, and rides out of the room. And actually, doesn't the head do a little bit more speaking? Oh, yeah. On the way out. He tells him how to find him. Well, Arthur certainly got his story, didn't he? He sure did. And then Arthur turns to his queen and says... Don't worry about that. That was just a Christmas play. (laughs) Nothing to worry about. No biggie. And with the uh, Green Knight leaving with uh, head in hand, our first chapter of four ends. Gwen beheads but doesn't kill the Green Knight. And now King Arthur gets to have his dinner. Ladies, with that start, let's take a break here. And when we come back, we'll talk about Gwen's journey to find the Green Knight. You're listening to Novel Conversations. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. All right, so when we left, Sir Gwen prepared to leave Camelot in search of the Green Knight. And when I say prepared, uh, he actually was in no hurry. He waited until All Saints Day, which is November 1st. Ten months? Unlike the Green Knight, Gwen is armored. He's armored beautifully. They say a great pile of gilded war gear glittered. It describes how some parts are smooth and shined, and then other parts are chainmail and linked together, and what parts of him are all covered up. And it's all in gold. All in gold, red gold, and with his cape on top. And Katie, if his armor is beautiful, his shield is incredible. It is. Tell me. The final piece, his shield, has the pentacle on the front of it in pure gold, which is the sign of King Arthur's knights, right? I believe so. The pentangle was something that apparently King Solomon had come up with. They describe it as a figure which has five points, and each line overlaps and is locked with another, and it is endless everywhere, and the English call it, in all the land I hear, the endless knot. 
All right, so Gwen is armored and he has his shield and he goes. He does. He gets on his horse and he rides. Where does he go? Now, the gallant Sir Gawain, in God's name, goes riding through the realm of Britain, no rapture in his mind. Often on the long nights he lay alone in the companionless and did not find in front of him food of his choice. He had no comrade but the cursor in the country woods and hills, no traveler to talk to on the track but God. But Elizabeth, though he rode by himself, he was not really always alone. Lions and tigers and bears, shall I say, oh my? Oh my. Oh yes, he had quite a few adventures on the way because he had to search far and wide to find this castle. He had not been told where it was. So he was fighting for his life the whole time with ogres, some satyrs, some dragons, boars, forest trolls even. So all kinds of different creatures. Right, not just animals. He had to battle men, as you said, ogres. Uh, He even battled the weather. Indeed. As the book says, Yet the warring little worried him. Worse was the winter. And the cold, clear water cascaded from the clouds and froze before it could fall to the fallow earth. But Elizabeth, after a prayer to Mary, maybe miraculously, a castle appears. And we soon meet the lord of that castle. Yes, Gawain finds this beautiful, white, brilliant castle that looks like it's made out of paper, almost. He is immediately welcomed in very warmly and meets the lord of the castle. And then after Gwen is fed and feasted, he meets the ladies of the castle. One very beautiful and one, shall we say, not so much. <laughs> Tell me about the beautiful lady. Gawain thinks that this beautiful lady is even lovelier than Guinevere, who is uh, Arthur's wife. It goes on to describe her it calls her the softest woman on earth, most beautiful of body and bright of complexion. And then he sees a not very beautiful woman sitting in her pew. And they go into detail about how ugly this older woman is. (laughs) As it says, another lady led her by her left hand, a matron much older, past middle age, who was highly honored by an escort of squires. Rough wrinkles rutted her cheeks. Her body was stumpy and squat. Extremely ugly, according to (laughs) this author. (laughs) Old and weathered. As the lord of the castle asks, Gwen spends Christmas and even the next few days at the castle until the lord finally asks Gwen, you know, why are you here? What's going on? Gwen is ready to go. He's saying, do you know where this green chapel is? The lord laughs and says, stay here for a little while longer and then New Year's Day, you can ride over. No rush. Spend some more time with us. And then as the second chapter ends, the lord of the castle, he proposes a game. But not a beheading game. No, a hunt. Actually, three days of hunting. So the game is, there will be three days of hunting. Whatever the Lord captures, he'll give to Gawain. And whatever Gawain wins while he's in the house, he'll give to the Lord. So they've got a bargain going on. And then the third chapter starts with the Lord on the hunt for Hines, a female deer. And Gawain is... In bed. Alone, I hope. Well, he is alone, but not for long. I think you might need to explain that. Well, he's lying in bed, waking up slowly, when all of a sudden he hears the doorknob turn and a little click, and he sees the beautiful lady sneak in. So he pretends to be asleep. He pretends to be asleep. Sometimes uh, discretion is the better part of valor. (laughs) Well, who is this beautiful lady? She is the lord of the castle's wife. But he is torn between chivalric courtesy and protecting his chastity and his honor. So he must be 
careful but rebuff her offers. Right. It would be unchivalric of him to deny her too roughly. He's got to let her down lightly, I guess. And he needs to protect his chastity and his honor. Lots of verbal jousting, nothing improper. In my version, it says they juggled words, which <laughs> I like that line. description. That yeah. I like that. <laughs> yeah. All that happens is that the lady asks for a kiss, which she gives her, and then she leaves. And when the Lord returns? A feast of venison as gifted from the Lord. And Gwen gives the Lord a kiss too. No, it's a kiss <laughs> for the Lord from Gwen. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then the next day, there's another hunt. What's the quarry today? The wild boar. That doesn't sound as easy as deer. No, it didn't seem as easy as deer, too. Certainly not boring. (laughs) (laughs) There's three pages of the description of getting the boar and how vicious it was and the vicious dogs as well. And I think they even say once they have it, it still attacks the dog once they have it tied up. And Elizabeth, meanwhile, back at the castle. The lady comes back to his bed the next morning and they spoke more again. It says, the beautiful lady bent and fairly kissed his face. Much speech the two then spent on love, its grief and grace. And then that night, again a feast. And again a kiss for the Lord from Gwen, and they agree to another hunt in the morning. And on the third day, they hunt a fox. And the lady comes back once more and tries to tempt Gawain again. But her hunt ends differently from the previous two days. Yes, she really pushes and then she asks Sir Gawain for a gift and offers him a ring. A ring which Gawain refuses mostly because he doesn't have anything of similar value to offer to her. Yes, and she finally offers him a green silk girdle, a gift, she says. She proffered him a rich ring wrought in red gold with a sparkling stone set conspicuously in it, which beamed as brilliant as the bright sun. Gawain declined this and says, you know, I I have nothing to give you back. So she finally offers him a gift, which is a girdle, a green silk girdle. Do we want to say girdle or sash? Because girdle today means a whole lot different than it meant then. Probably a wide belt that covers more of your stomach, not just like a thin, you know, belt. But why does he accept that? He doesn't accept it necessarily for the gift. Well, it offers some protection, possibly from a strike from the Green Knight. Right. She claims it'll save his life. Mm -hmm. If he's wearing it when the Green Knight takes his blow. She says it's a talisman against uh, his death. And he takes it kind of in a moment of weakness uh, for fear of his future. Well, how's he going to explain this to the Lord? Oh, he doesn't. He doesn't? Probably just gives him another kiss. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, with that, let's take a break here. And when we come back, we'll follow Gwen on his journey to the Green Chapel to face his great challenge. You're listening to Novel Conversations. I'm Frank Lavallo. We'll be right back. Hello everyone, my name is Tom Kearns and I host the Anglo-Saxon England podcast, where I cover the history and culture of England from the departure of the Romans in the 5th century to the Norman Conquest in 1066. So far we've surveyed the collapse of Roman rule in Britain, the migration of the Anglo-Saxons and the history of Northumbria from its beginnings in the mists of legend to its destruction at the hands of Viking raiders in the 9th century. I hope you'll come and give it a go. We're back. I'm Frank Lavallo, and you're listening to Novel Conversations. And today we're having a conversation about Sir Gwen and the Green Knight. All right, ladies, when we left Gwen, he had taken leave of the Lord and the ladies and was on his way to the Green Chapel. And he seems to have picked up a guide. Elizabeth? 
Yes, a porter waiting outside the gates who goes along with Sir Gawain. And Katie, what advice does the guide give to Gawain? He tells him not to go. He tells him to keep riding on. In the name of God, go home. Elizabeth, does he take that advice? No, because as he had earlier said, he would rather die than fail this mission. Uh, Somebody tell me about the Green Knight's castle. Uh, For such a magnificent night, it must be some marvelous castle. It's nothing magnificent. It's just a mound. This mound, said the noble knight, as such might Satan be seen saying matins at midnight. He doesn't see anyone at this green chapel, but he certainly hears a monstrous noise. Yes, it says, what? It clattered amid the cliffs, fit to cleave them apart, as if a great scythe were being ground on a grindstone there. It's the green knight sharpening his axe, isn't it? Oh. And the knight does appear, and he's armed with that axe. Whirling round a wedge of rock with frightful weapon, a Danish axe duly honed for dealing the blow. With the broad, biting edge, bow bent along the handle, ground on a grindstone, a great four-foot blade, no less, by the lovelace gleaming so brightly. And they quickly get to the point of their meeting, don't they? Gawain bears his neck, and the knight prepares to launch his blow. But Gawain flinches, and the knight stops. And he chides Gawain. He says, You're not Gawain, said the gallant, whose greatness is such that by hill or hollow no army ever frightened him. For now you flinch for fear before you feel harm. I never did know that knight to be a coward. And this angers Gawain, and he says, Take another shot. I'm going to stand here firm. I promise I will not flinch. The knight says, Have at you then. And heaving up his axe, behaving as angrily as if he were mad, he menaced him mightily, but made no contact, smartly withholding his hand without hurting him. And this really angers Gawain. Then said Gawain, storming with sudden rage, Thrash on, you thrustful fellow, and threaten too much. It seems your spirit is struck with self-dread. Forsooth, the other said, you speak so fiercely. I will no longer lengthen matters by delaying your business, I vow. Well, he just barely nicks Gawain's neck, but makes enough of a cut that Gawain sees his blood stain the ground. The green giant has taken his shot, and he's only nicked Sir Gawain. And so Gawain responds... Cease your blows, sir. Strike me no more. I have sustained a stroke here unresistingly, and if you offer any more, I shall earnestly reply, resisting, rest assured, with the most rancorous despite. He's ready to fight. Gwen is done. He took the knight's best shot, and now he's ready to fight. It's man against man now. There's no more deal. There's no more game. But the story's not quite over. As they say on the Fix My House shows, now's the time for the big reveal. The Green Knight is actually the lord from the castle. Bum, bum, oh, I think bum. you better explain that. So he explains that Morgan Le Fay bewitched him and turned him into this Green Knight that could survive a beheading. Who's Morgan Le Fay? We haven't mentioned her. Morgan Le Fay is a witch. She is a witch. She's Arthur's half-sister by another father. Whose goal here is to hurt Guinevere. Right. Morgan Le Fay, as Arthur's half-sister, blames Arthur's father for the death of her mother and father. So she's seeking to hurt Guinevere by having Arthur killed. She had hoped that Arthur would take this challenge and come after the Green Knight. Mm -hmm. Turns out Gwen did. But that's what was going on here. She enchanted this lord and made him, turned him into this Green Knight and, and... 
I was going to say force, but essentially put him on the course to challenge Arthur, who uh, is then uh, taken up by Sir Gwaine, and that's essentially what's going on here. So this was really a plot by Morgan Le Fay to hurt Guinevere. But the, the knight also explains about the three strokes, the two stop strokes and then the nick. Yes, these were for the challenge of the three days of hunts. Gawain was honest twice, but deceitful once when it came to the green girdle, and for that he was cut. And Gawain, how's he feeling? Angry and embarrassed. The Green Knight gives Gawain the sash to keep to serve as a reminder for his own failure, for his chivalric failure. And Elizabeth, when Gawain returns to Arthur's court, they see the sash as a reminder of something else, not his failure. They see it as a reminder of his heroics, his glory. Even though Gawain sees it as a badge of his own failure, the court turns it into this uh, this badge of honor, and other knights begin to wear a belt for similar reasons, to remember that and to stay chivalrous. Actually, every single one of them wears it. Right, it becomes a badge for all the knights of the uh, soon-to-be round table. And so ends the story of uh, Sir Gwaine and the Green Knight. So let's take a final break now and then head into our last segment where I'd like to ask the two of you to share a moment or a character or a quote that we haven't had a chance to talk about yet. Right now, you're listening to Novel Conversations. We'll be right back. Our lives were never the same after we learned our 21-year-old daughter, Kristen, was murdered by her ex-boyfriend. It's a parent's worst nightmare. How much did we really know about domestic violence back then? Clearly not enough. Now we know plenty. We know domestic violence, or DV, can happen to anyone. One in three women suffer physical violence at the hands of intimate partners during their lifetimes. One in three. I'm Bill Mitchell, host of the When Dating Hurts podcast. And my interviews with DV counselors, law enforcement, and especially actual DV survivors give the pandemic of domestic violence the attention it deserves. The When Dating Hurts podcast. It's a series of lives being saved. Welcome back. You're listening to Novel Conversations. I'm Frank Lavallo, and today I'm having a conversation about the story Sir Gwain and the Green Knight. All right, Katie, Elizabeth, before our break, we ended our story, and now I'd like to ask the two of you to perhaps share a moment or a character or a quote that we haven't gotten to. Katie, do you have something for us? One thing I love in the book is how deep it goes into descriptions of things like the hunting and the clothing. There's so much about Turkish silks and the ermine furs and things like that. Beautiful descriptions. Oh, yeah. But a literary device that I just find so fascinating. When it was describing all the people that he met on his journey toward the green chapel, um, it's just one little line. So many marvels did the man meet in the mountains. It would be too tedious to tell a tenth of them. But still, then it lists and lists and lists right. all these people that he saw. I remember that. I remember that. That is good. That is good. Uh, Elizabeth, you have something? Yeah, I like that it does mention how 
ridiculous this whole challenge is. Well, which challenge? The beheading game or the hunting kissing game? The beheading game. (laughs) You know, that Arthur just accepts this. And, you know, all of the lords and ladies are really grieving that Gawain has to go on this journey. And it says, he seemed a brilliant leader and could have been and had better been than this. His head lopped off by an elf and only for pride. What king has ever allowed such games? Playing such stupid sport at Christmas. Now, who's saying that? This is the lords and ladies oh, okay. saying okay. this. Thank that you. right before Gawain leaves, they're all mourning this and saying, you know, Arthur shouldn't have agreed to this in, in the first place. For a silly game. Because it was all for pride. Right. Mm-hmm. It certainly was for pride. Guys, instead of having something to read or to tell you about, I've got a couple questions for you. Let me ask you first question. The guide that led... Gwain to the uh, Green Chapel. Was that the lord of the castle? Oh. I don't know. Was it? I don't know. I'm just wondering. Hmm. I'm just wondering. He knew exactly where to take him. Mm-hmm. He's enchanted, right? Remember, he's right. been enchanted by Morgan Le Fay, so yeah. he could be anything or look like anything. And we never, oh yeah, you know, as they say on TV, we never saw the, the guide and the king at the same time right. in the same place. <laughs> That would make sense. So I'm, I'm just did, wondering. Did the guide have glasses to disguise him? <laughs> <laughs> and he takes off his glasses and he's Superman. <laughs> A pop quiz from a reading test in college. What color was the Green Knight? What, was he not green? He is green. Oh. But when it's on a reading quiz it makes in you wonder, college, right? if oh, yeah. you didn't really read it, you're like, yeah. uh-oh. Oh, uh, <laughs> I see. <laughs> how closely did we read that? No, he is green. His accoutrements are green. Mm-hmm. His horse is green. Everything about him is green. He is green. Even the holly. Even the holly was green, right, with probably a little, uh, some red berries to it. To, uh, but he has yeah. some gold accents. He did have some gold accents. His horse, I think, had a little bit on him, although the horse as well was, uh, was unarmored. Also, I think it's interesting that he just rides into the castle on the horse. Like, he just... I think that might not have been that rare. In, I, apparently in not. Times, yeah. You know? <laughs> just come into the dining room on your horse. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I mentioned this to you guys, but there's a, a really cheesy film version of this with Sean Connery as the Green Knight. Oh, oh my no. gosh. And, and when I say cheesy, I mean, it's cheesy. It's from, I think, the 70s, I want to say. I mean, oh. I remember seeing it pretty early on. And it's it's <laughs> it's pretty cheesy. Sean Connery, right? James yeah. Bond with the green beard and holding oh, his head. Oh, my and gosh. Nice. It's, it's a little, uh, it's it's out there. Yeah, it's, it's not bad. I can picture that. <laughs> not a bad version. All right, let me ask you another question. Did you guys ever figure out who the Lord was? Did you figure out that the Lord and the Green Knight were the same person? Yes. Um, I don't think so, but I should have because I did read this in high school. <laughs> I just forgotten most of it. <laughs> As we all have the things we read in high school. I appreciated it more now because it's just so beautifully written. The it descriptions really are incredible, and I possibly didn't really care about that as a teenager. Right. Well, I'm sure none of us really, really did. <laughs> we just wanted to get it done so we could get the quiz done and we mm-hmm. could move on yep. to whatever whatever they were going to torture us with next. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think this is where we should end our conversation today about Sir Gwain and the Green Knight. Katie, Elizabeth, I do want to thank both of you for coming in and having this conversation with me today. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I did. Thanks for having us, Frank. Thanks so much, Frank. I'm Frank Lavallo. You've been listening to Novel Conversations. Thanks for listening to Novel Conversations. If you're enjoying the show, please give us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us on Instagram or Twitter at Novel Conversations. 
Follow us to stay up to date on upcoming episodes and anything else we've got in the works. I want to give special thanks to our readers today, Elizabeth Flood and Katie Smith. Our sound designer and producer is Noah Fouts, and Grace Sienna Longfellow is our audio engineer. Our executive producers are Michael D'Aloya and David Allen Moss. I'm Frank Lavallo, and thank you for listening. I hope you soon find yourself in a novel conversation all your own. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.